Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When a person first goes to church, normally for the first time, if they hear the gospel message presented to them, then it normally sounds something like this. The gospel message is normally something like, no matter how evil you were or are, no matter how many sins you have committed, and no matter where you are in your life right now, your God wants you. The Lord Jesus has died for all of your sins, and he no longer holds any of your sins against you. And he wants you to come to him to receive his forgiveness for all of your sins, so you can now be saved and have a place with him in the kingdom of heaven, in his kingdom. The message is normally oriented in that way, to say that none of your sins are being held against you anymore, that you can now come to him right where you are, right in the condition that you are in, regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of how messed up you are, regardless of how many sins you've committed, you can come to him right now and he will take you, he will embrace you, and he will love you, and he will save you. That's a very common message, and of course, it's true. It's true that the Lord Jesus has died for all of our sins, and he no longer holds any of our sins against us. And when we first come to him, he wants to take us right where we are, right in the condition that we are in. But then you come back the next week, and often the message changes. Normally, the first message is he'll take you right where you are, he will take you in the condition that you are in. But then the second message normally sounds a little different. Or maybe it's the third message, but normally you don't have to wait very long before you eventually get the follow-up message, which is you had better get your life cleaned up. You had better get yourself straightened out as soon as possible, because if you don't do it right away, he might throw you back. That tends to be the message that a lot of people hear. And it's not always intentional, for people to say things like that, but that's normally how it comes across. Normally it comes across as he will take you right where you are right now, but if you don't get yourself straightened up after a reasonable period of time, then he may just have to get rid of you. He may just have to throw you back because you didn't really turn out to be the kind of Christian that we thought you'd turn into, and because of that, he's going to have to just let you go until you realize that you are going to have to get the sin out of your life. You are going to have to get some things under control. So it can sound like a contradictory message to many people. And I believe that that is somewhat of a contradictory message. I believe that you are saved by his grace and you are sustained by his grace. You are not saved by his grace and then sustained by your works, but that you are continually sustained by his grace. I do believe in a different gospel when it comes to that, in a different message when it comes to that. But many people do hold to this, and because of this point of view, there are a lot of people who do come to the Lord Jesus seeking for him, but then they realize that there is no way that they are ever going to find him, because according to that perspective, according to that persuasion, 
they're never going to be able to get enough sin out of their life in order to really know him for who he is. Some people do let this go and just walk away, but other people will hang on. And when they hang on, then they normally have a period of struggle. They have a time of struggle before they learn the new lifestyle that they are to live by, the new way of life. They start learning about the things that they should involve themselves in and the things that they should separate themselves from so that they don't expose themselves to too much temptation in life. And if they start doing the right things and participate in the right activities and they change their vocabulary a little bit, then perhaps they may be able to integrate within Christianity, within the church, in such a way that perhaps in some way, maybe through osmosis or something like that, they may eventually be transformed into somebody that they would like to be. Now, if this doesn't happen right away, don't worry. Eventually, eventually, the Lord will intervene. And this is normally referred to as the discipline of God, that God will eventually discipline you, that he will intervene in your life as a little child, as one of his children, and he will cause whatever pain and suffering is necessary in order to get you to stop it, whatever it is, in order to get you to stop sinning. And the passages in the scriptures that people normally refer to are, of course, found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 12, when it speaks of the discipline of God. And in the previous broadcast, I was explaining that this discipline has really nothing to do with punishment for a past event, but actually has to do with preparation for a future event to prepare you for the things that you will encounter and deal with in the future. But what I described in the previous broadcast concerning this is normally very difficult for people to comprehend because there is a comparison that is made here in this section, starting out in verse 9. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. People will normally look at this and then say that, well, my father here on earth, if you had one, was a person who punished me for past events, and in that way he tried to prepare me for those things that would occur in the future, for those circumstances of life that I would be confronted with in the future. But for the most part, I felt as though it was punishment for things that I had already done, not necessarily preparation for things in the future. But that, of course, depends on your point of view, I suppose. But because my father treated me this way, so now I'm going to believe that my God is now going to treat me in the same way. But that's not what he said here. He said that there is a similarity But it certainly is not an identical type of discipline, not in the sense of punishment for a past event. But see, there's something else to it as well. And that is in the Hebrew culture, the notion of preparing your children for the future was, of course, part of the society. And so today, when we read this, we may have a little bit of a different bias. Because for the most part, in societies today, in this day and age, people don't look at their children in the context of preparing them for the future. They are actually very much focused on just getting through the day and just punishing them for those things that they have already done, hoping that they will eventually get in line. And then when we finally recover from all of the stress and all of the activity and just dealing with punishing them for the things that they've already done, then perhaps we can eventually get started in dealing with those things in the future. But in the Hebraic culture, especially during the time of the Lord Jesus, this was looked at very differently, that in fact people did 
see it from the perspective of preparation. And so there was a perspective of closer similarity in explaining how the Lord our God will relate to us as our fathers would have related to us back then. But today I have to explain that there is a distinction because we look at discipline in a different way today than how the Hebrews looked at the subject of discipline back then. But today this is a very real issue still. It's a very important issue. We should be thinking about disciplining our children as preparation for the future not so much punishment for things in the past, even though it may have been five seconds ago. Still, the focus is very different. But because of that, there tends to be some confusion, and people will tend to have a stronger bias towards punishment rather than preparation. And yet this has to be explained. This has to be brought out. Because if it is not brought out, if we don't look at it from its proper context, then it's very easy to come to the conclusion that, yeah, first the Lord will call you to himself, not holding your sins against you. But now that he has called you to himself, in order to be a God to you, in order to be a father to you, he has to now deal with all of your sins in the past. He now has to punish you for the sins that you are presently struggling with, with hope that eventually you will become more sanctified, you will become more holy, you will be able to participate in his holiness, share in his holiness by being holy yourself so that you can then be better prepared to deal with those things in the future. And I do not believe this, but this is what a lot of people believe because of what is described here in verse 10 in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. He says, for they disciplined us for a short time, it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. But I look at this very differently. Instead of sharing in his holiness in the sense of being holy as he is holy, I don't look at it that way. I look at it in the context of he prepares us for the future so that we can in the future enjoy his holiness in a greater way. That's what I believe he is saying when he says, share in his holiness in the future tense, so that we can enjoy his holiness in a greater way in the future as we grow and mature from the discipline that we experience right now. Now, when I think of the discipline of God, I don't think of it as punishment. I think of it as preparation. But what is this preparation? How is he actually preparing us? Well, I believe that the preparation has to do with him meeting the deepest needs of our heart, that he will love us, that he will accept us, that that is the type of preparation, that as we live our lives now and we encounter the circumstances of life now, we make choices, we make decisions concerning what we are going to rely on, who we are going to rely on. We decide, am I going to engage in this sinful behavior because it's going to make me feel good? Or am I going to trust and believe that my God truly loves me? And am I going to live being thankful for that? Am I going to choose to feel good because I think somebody else is going to love me or somebody else is going to accept me? Or am I going to be thankful for the acceptance and the love that I already have in my life that my God has already given to me? And as we live our lives and we make choices concerning this, we make decisions concerning this, when we choose to pursue those things in the world, it always leads to emptiness. 
It always leads to a sense of desperation because of the inadequacy of sin. It always leads us to being separated from the love of God because we are no longer enjoying the love that he has for us. We're no longer living with the love. We don't believe and we don't take. And so we don't live in an acknowledgement of his presence. Instead, we pursue the world and that leads us to emptiness and pain and definitely a lack of peace in our lives. But when we receive what he has for us, it does lead us to a sense of peace and joy in him. And that peace and joy in him is something that we can enjoy in a greater way as we live our lives over a period of time. Over a period of time, he disciplines us by giving us what we need. And the exercise is an exercise of taking and an exercise in believing and trusting and enjoying. That is the exercise, the preparation. Because eventually, when we encounter similar circumstances of life in the future, when we encounter other circumstances, maybe even greater challenges of life, over time, we will begin to believe and trust because we experience the reality of him in our lives in small ways. So that eventually, in the greater circumstances, in the greater challenges, in the greater sufferings and encounters and struggles that we experience, especially due to the sins of other people that we suffer from in our lives, when these things happen, we will again have a new opportunity to share in his holiness. But this sharing in his holiness is further turning to his holiness. Not to say that we are going to manifest the holiness of God, but to say that we are going to turn to him and truly embrace his holiness, truly enjoy his holiness because we know where to go. We know who to go to. We know what he has and we know what he gives and we know what we can take and we enjoy that which we need. And that is to partake in his holiness. And when we do that, what what manifests within and through us? Well, certainly due to the fulfillment of his presence in our lives, we experience the peaceful fruit of his righteousness. The righteousness of God and the peace of God as we experience his peace in our lives during those circumstances. These circumstances are what he prepares us for in the future. And again, we may struggle with similar circumstances right now, but don't worry. Don't, don't concern yourself with the struggles of life so much right now because there is a process of maturity that he brings us through as we trust and rely on him. And in time, in time, if you will continue to rest in him and be thankful for what he has for you and live embracing who he is to you, then these things will become real in your life. And so I believe that's what he's talking about, that this discipline that he does within us, his preparation for the future events, and that future event that we encounter, it may be something similar to what we are experiencing right now, but the way that we deal with it in the future will be different. Let me consider this from a different perspective, from the perspective of our own children, how we as parents will often look at our own children or the relationship that we have with them. In many cases, the way that parents look at their children is they look at their children as if 
they themselves are going to be God to their children. Now, of course, they don't normally think of it that way directly. However, from another point of view, I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Let me give you an example. Consider how we normally respond to our children when they start misbehaving. There are normally two different responses or two different reactions that we can have. The first thing that we can do is we can discipline them in the sense of punishing them for what they just did. That's one way that we can respond. The other way that people will respond is we will respond by trying to love them in such a way that they will feel happy. They will feel as though they are doing well or they are enjoying the love that we are giving to them. And so if we make them feel good, then they won't be misbehaving. That's another approach. Now, let me focus on this notion of trying to make our children feel good by loving them with the belief that the more they feel good, the less that they will be misbehaving because in many cases our children start misbehaving because they just don't feel right. They feel cranky. They feel bored. They feel as though they are not getting enough attention. And so let's just give them the attention that they desire in a positive, constructive way. Now, I certainly don't think that there's anything wrong with that, but what I am saying there is something wrong with is when we take the position that we are the ones who are going to meet the deepest needs that our children have. That's when there is a problem. That's when there is an issue. You see, our children were created by our God to have the need to be loved. They need to be loved. They need to be accepted. They need to have some sense of understanding about the world that they are a part of. They need to have some sense of purpose and direction in their life. And we can notice that as we observe our own children. But the problem is, is that we can often assume that we are the ones who are going to be able to fulfill the needs that they have. And there is an appearance that we do that. There is an appearance that we do that when we do love them with the love that we have and we accept them with the acceptance that we have and we teach them and guide them and we keep them busy, in other words. When we do that, there is the appearance that we are meeting their deepest needs. But the fact is that our God created our children in such a way that only he can truly meet those needs. And if we don't believe that, if we believe that we can be a replacement for God, then in that way, we believe that we are going to be God to our children. And when we do that, then we can easily, we can easily make the mistake of continually directing them to have dependency on us instead of growing and maturing them to have a dependency on their God. That is a very common mistake that people make. But the fact of the matter is that when we look at our children from this perspective, when we look at them from this perspective, then the discipline that we are able to give them in terms of preparing them for the future by loving them, by accepting them, by giving them an understanding of the world that they are going to be faced with, by giving them direction in life, by encouraging them to have specific or distinct purposes in life, making good choices, for example. When we do that, we are often assuming that we will be successful in that regard. Now, I do believe that we should do that. Don't get me wrong. However, for us to assume that we are going to be complete, that we are going to be a replacement for God is a poor assumption. I believe that there should come a point in a child's life when their parents speak to them in this way. 
I believe that we should look for the opportunities and we should be quick to take advantage of the opportunities when they come, when they are appropriate, to speak to our children in this way. Just tell them, look, have you noticed that even though you know what you should be doing, even though you know how you should be responding, even though you know that what you're going to do is going to be self-destructive, have you noticed that you still do it anyway? I mean, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you still don't feel at peace in your heart, regardless of the things that you pursue, regardless of who you make friends with? Have you noticed that there still is some sense of emptiness that's there, that you still have the same sinful desires, you still have the same sinful attitudes, and these things just don't seem to be going away for some reason? Have you been noticing that? And if they have any sense of intelligence about them, they should probably recognize that that's true, that they do things that they don't want to do, that regardless of what they pursue and regardless of how well they feel accepted and loved at home, regardless of these things, they still have an evil, sinful condition of their heart that leads them into sinful activities and sinful behaviors and sinful attitudes that causes them to experience a significant lack of peace a significant lack of joy that they don't feel good at all, no matter how much they try to do things that make them feel good, it just doesn't happen. In fact, when they think that they have solved one problem in reality, they end up creating two as a side effect. And so things get worse. What I believe we need to do is we need to be attentive to the opportunities to explain to them that the only way that they're going to experience any true happiness, any true joy, any true sense of peace and rest in their own heart is through a relationship with their God, that it is only in Christ Jesus that they can experience this. And so that's why I was explaining the subject of discipline in the context of meeting the deepest needs of our hearts to prepare us for the future circumstances that we will be confronted with. So likewise, our children also need to eventually turn to the Lord so that he will meet the deepest needs of their hearts so that they can be prepared for the circumstances of life that they are going to be confronted with. We as their parents are not going to be a substitute for our God. He has reserved this power only for himself. He's not going to share it with us. He's not going to share it with anybody else. That's what I mean when I say that you cannot be God to your children. You must eventually direct them to him. And if this is the case, then we cannot go in to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 12, where it speaks about the discipline of God and the notion that we as fathers will discipline our children and prepare them for the future. So also the father of spirits does the same thing because he doesn't. He does something very different because he can do something different, because he can reach his people. He can reach our children in a way that we cannot in a way that we never will. And so we cannot look at this as many people do. That Many people will look at this and say, well, I will be the discipline, the disciplinary person in my children's lives until they become of age. And then I'll just kind of turn them over to the Lord and he'll pick up where I left off. That is not the case. He does not pick up where you leave off. You may be able to address and deal with the issues of the flesh, but he is the one who deals with the issues concerning the spirit. He is the only one who can do that. 
We can deal with the issues of the flesh in the context of discipline, and certainly we can prepare our children to be constructive members of society, even though they may reject the true and living God. We can still prepare them and discipline them to a certain extent in that way. But when it comes to the subject of sharing in His holiness, in other words, enjoying His holiness, or when it comes to experiencing the peaceful fruit of the righteousness of God, that is something that can only be real when a person experiences a personal relationship with their God. And this is something that our children can experience long before they leave our home, long before they enter into the world, long before our discipline of them, preparation from a fleshly perspective, ends. Long before that, that what we do is not carried on by our God, whereas he then follows them around and punishes them for past events, but he deals with his people in a very different way. The government actually picks up where we leave off. When our children leave our home and they are no longer going to be subject to our discipline in their flesh, the government picks up from that point on and punishes them for their sins that they commit in the flesh. The Lord doesn't have to be involved in those things. The government takes over when it comes to things like that. What I'm referring to is something very different. And so there is a similarity, but there is not a substitution. When we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 12, this is something that's very important to understand when it comes to the subject of the discipline of God and how he matures us and how he grows us and how he then involves himself in our lives to an extent where we can then in the future be involved in his life, his holiness and his righteousness and his peace. You see, there is no peace outside of having a personal relationship with your God. There is no peace You may be able to experience what the world offers in terms of peace, but that kind of peace usually has to do with the notion of having enough food to eat or not having to work as hard as you may have had to work otherwise, or people are not violating you as much as they would be otherwise. That kind of peace is what the world offers, but these things do not really deal with the issues on the inside. They don't really deal with the issues of a person's heart, This is something that only our God can do within us. There is a peace that he has for us, the very peace of God. But to rest in that and to experience that personally, you must have him and you must be at peace with what he has done for you. And you must be the recipient of what he has for you, what he is now giving to you as an inheritance as a result of his death. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,